This week, Easter week, this is the week, Holy Week. And it's an exciting week for us. We are on this side of Easter Sunday, so we often understand uh, some things that the earliest disciples, the first disciples, would not have understood about what was going on on that week. And I want to encourage you um, this week, don't miss Jesus. There's a lot going on uh, all around us. Uh, there, there are stories in the news. There are events happening around the world. Uh, but if we miss Jesus, we miss everything. And so this week, don't miss Jesus in, in the mix of everything else that's going on. Uh, Jesus is the, the, the one uh, who brings us life that is truly worth living. And he brings us a picture of, of pure love from God the Father. And we understand what life is like because we have a glimpse of Jesus through the gospel stories. And that's why we've been committed to walking through Matthew. It's been a great series. And uh, one of the things we found is that Jesus is constantly opening the door to the kingdom to anyone who would honestly want to seek after God and understand the love that God has for them. And I read this this week, and I thought this would be a a, a good way to begin. Um, If the kingdom of God were a hospital... Now, so let's, let's look at a picture. If the kingdom of God were a hospital, it could accept sick people needing healing, right? I mean, a, a hospital would, would welcome the sick people. Uh, doctors and nurses who, who are seeking to serve and, and cure people of, of their sickness, of, of what they need. And guests uh, wanting to visit the sick and comfort them. So if the kingdom of God were, were like a hospital, this is, this is who would be welcomed into the hospital, Anyone there uh, with, with a pure motive uh, to, to find healing, uh, to help those who need healing, uh, to those who want to comfort the afflicted, the sick, right? Does, does that make sense? Are you with me? And so this is, this is the picture that Jesus is painting, that the doors are open to anyone who honestly wants to connect with God, anyone who honestly wants to connect with God. And so some of us would wrestle with, well, then, like, does God keep anyone out of the kingdom? Well, God doesn't keep anyone out. Like the door is open to anyone who honestly wants to seek after him. But a hospital could not welcome, and I think you'll agree with this, a hospital could not welcome people who are coming in to kidnap babies from the nursery. Like that, that, would, that would go against the entire purpose of a, of a hospital, to, to let those in who would want to take life. Uh, it, it, it could not welcome uh, phony doctors who are pretending to care only so they could inflict pain on others to secure their own position? Does that make sense? Are you still with me? And it, it cannot accept those um, who were intent on pulling plugs in the ICU. <laughs> and and I, like, I read this this week, and I was like, this is, this is what Jesus, he continually like, opens the door. And, and, and Jesus, when he gets angry and goes after people, it's usually those um, who, who may say the right things, like I, I'm here to help people, but are really there with false motives. And the kingdom of heaven is open to everyone who honestly wants to connect with God, but it cannot welcome those whose intent is to hurt other people. Does that make sense? Don't you love that picture of the kingdom? And so Jesus is just proclaiming this again and again and again. And last week we talked about Palm Sunday. I know we were a week ahead, but we're advanced here at McDowell, so we were a week ahead of schedule. And we talked about Palm Sunday, the day that Jesus rides in uh, to Jerusalem. And he knows what he's come to do. And people are screaming and shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna. They think Jesus has come to start a revolution. And, um, 
Jesus is here, and what's interesting about this day, uh, Palm Sunday, is it's also uh, Lamb Selection Day. Lamb Selection Day. Now, um, if, if you aren't familiar with, with the Jewish tradition and the Jewish faith, um, you, you might miss this, and I missed this for years, and I wonder why no one ever told me this. Do you ever, do you ever learn something and you're like, why didn't you tell me? Like, I wish I would have known this, and, and this is part of that. It brings so much into the story. So in the Jewish faith leading up to Passover, there was a day marked for choosing a lamb. And families uh, who had traveled to Jerusalem, remember Jerusalem just swelled uh, during Passover, uh, families who, who had traveled there would, would choose the lamb on, on this day, what we call Palm Sunday, the, the, the lamb that they would bring into their home. Can you imagine a one-year-old lamb in your house with kids and people just packing it? Can you imagine the smell of your house? Come on, go with me. Can you imagine all the stuff chewed up and, and like the noises and the chaos? But then can you imagine like how you would kind of like grow to love that lamb? And, and knowing that, that that lamb was going to be sacrificed for your, uh, for your sins or for your evil, that were a part of your life. And so lamb selection day was this day when they would select their lambs. Now, it seems crazy to us, but this was part of the tradition. It was part of the story. It was part of the faith. And so when Jesus rides into Jerusalem, he rides in on lamb selection day. Come on. Come on. I mean, the things that are going on in the story, uh, Lamb Selection Day, he rides in, and then this, this week that's right ahead of us, this what we call Holy Week, all the things that Jesus does, um, he, he gives us uh, clarity that he is the pure chosen lamb. I mean, everything almost is, is pointing to this. And so I want to walk us through just a couple of little stories in Matthew chapter 26. So if you have your Bibles and you want to open up to Matthew 26, or if you have your devices about it's 50-50 on which one you're going to open up today, your device or your Bible, open it up to, to chapter 26. We're going to have some of it on the screen behind us. Um, if I hear like a roar from the master's crowd, I'm going to find who it was. So careful what you open up. And there's this story that's tucked into Matthew chapter 26, and it says this, Meanwhile, Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon, a man who had previously had leprosy. And while he was eating, a, a woman comes in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume and poured it over his head. Now, kind of a crazy story. What, what's going on here? It's, it's kind of a crazy uh, picture. And you think, why would she pour oil on his head? Like, it seems just bizarre. Imagine a, a group of men sitting around a table, which was probably very likely what was going on, and the men talking and discussing things and laughing and debating the meaning of Scripture and different things. And, and a woman slips in and she pours this alabaster perfume, this oil all over his head. Um, this is just two to three days from the time that Jesus will give up his life. And it's a picture of anointing him, a holy, sacred anointing for what is to come. And the disciples are ticked off. Why would she do this? Do you know how much this is worth? Probably about a year's wages. 
So consider a year of your wages poured out, what the disciples called wasted, on, on Jesus. And Jesus' response is just interesting. I tell you the truth, um, wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be remembered. I love that word, will be remembered. And this is a picture of worship. A, a woman who, who uh, usually would not have been welcomed into the circle, who Jesus not only welcomes into the circle, but says, forget the meal, what she has done will be remembered among my people. And I think it's important for us to read the story and see what Jesus is doing, opening again the kingdom to those who have been kept on the outside, with those who, who come with pure motives. And like I wonder this week as, as we remember Jesus, like what are we willing to pour out in worship to him? What is it that we bring uh, to the table as, as Jesus sits? And what she did was just, was, was a beautiful picture of worship. Then there's this little story um, tucked in about Judas agreeing to betray Jesus and uh, kind of what he does in, in those moments. And, and then we get to uh, the, the Passover, the actual Passover. And it says, so the disciples did as Jesus told them to prepare the Passover meal. And, and we usually picture this in, in what's called the upper room. Have you heard this phrase, the upper room? Kind of a quiet, secluded, probably um, maybe a, a, a dark place that was there. And uh, this is where Jesus would spend a good amount of time with his disciples. And what takes place at this meal, I think, is, is so very important for us to remember. So I want to spend our time this morning at the table with Jesus. And noticing some, some little things that are going on. Now, I, I love this picture from, from Leonardo da Vinci, I think. Is that who did this? You guys know this? The Last Supper? So this is, this is often how we picture the, this Last Supper taking place. I want you to look at this picture for a second and then forget everything about it. Because <laughs> it's probably not at all historically correct. So it's a beautiful painting, isn't it? Yeah, it's awesome. Now take it off the screen and forget everything you just saw about... The, the Last Supper, and, and what, what probably was more, was more likely is that the, the Last Supper would have been around a table that was pretty low to the ground, and oftentimes in the, in the scriptures when we read about stories of, of meals, um, people actually recline on the floor to eat. So like, <laughs> recline, that's not bad. Maybe I should preach the rest of the morning like this. <laughs> like they would recline, and, and if you can imagine a table, and all of these people reclined around the table, um, eating and talking and laughing, and uh, this is probably more likely what, what Jesus and his disciples were doing, reclining around the table. I'm not going to do that. That's going to bug you guys. <laughs> um, so reclining around the table. And this Passover meal, I mean, from, from this point, I mean, over 3,000 years of this, this Passover meal, Jewish, the Jewish faith, the significance of the Passover meal. And, and the Passover meal was, was uh, to be a reminder that, that God had not forgotten his people, that he had heard their cries back when they were slaves in Egypt. 
And this Passover meal like had great significance of everything um, that, was, that was taking place uh, back then, but, but it brought new meaning to today. Um, I want to I I run through a storyline to get us to the Passover meal. And some of this is uh, like historical, and so I know some of you history buffs, you're in right now. Some of you others are totally out right now. Um, but stay with me, and, and I'll try to bring everybody back in uh, before we get to the end. So in Genesis, God creates the heavens and the earth. So we're going to begin in Genesis. God, but it, it's not like reading the whole Bible, don't worry, it won't be that long. Uh, God creates the heavens and the earth. He creates uh, humankind, uh, uh, man and woman, in his own image, right? And he gives them kind of free reign except for one place and says, don't eat of this, this tree because this is a symbol of you wanting to be your own ruler and your own king and not trusting me. And so that, that happens. And when Adam and Eve eat of this tree, their eyes are, are kind of changed and they all of a sudden they feel shame. And so they, they have to cover themselves because they realize we don't have any clothes on. Like before they, they did that, like bef- when they trusted God, they were okay with who they were. Come on, there's something there. They, like they were good with who they were until they realized that they thought maybe we're not good enough. And so they try to cover themselves with leaves. Don't we do this all the time as humans? Don't, don't we feel ashamed and not good enough for those around us. And so we try to outfit ourselves in the things that we think others need to see about us. And I'm going to let you in, but only so far, because if I let you in too far, um, you might know the real me, and the real me is not good enough. You know what God does? He sees them trying to put together their own clothes, and uh, he's like, "I, I, I want to help you with this. I want you to notice what God gives them to put on. Skins from animals. He, he gives them animal skins to cover their shame. And in Genesis, we see the first picture of a sacrifice that leads to good for us. Very first picture in Genesis chapter 3. Isn't that, isn't that incredible? And then in the Exodus story, we find this story uh, where... Uh, the, the, the Israelites are in Egypt and they're, they're held against their will and their only purpose in that land is to produce, like to build and make bricks and, and, and they're only worth what they produce. Now, come on, there's something there for us, isn't there? You're only, you are only worth what you can produce for this world. Come on. <laughs> but God knows they're worth so much more than that and so he tells, through Moses, he tells Pharaoh to let my people go. Let my people go. Some of you went to Sunday school. Let my people go, and they wouldn't. And so then there's, there's, there's story after story of God trying to wake Pharaoh up to his evil ways. And then there's this brutal story where God says, okay, um, the, the, the angel of death will pass through the land, and every firstborn will die. And to us, it just sounds brutal. Like, how could God, how could God do something like that? I want us to kind of step back from that view just for a second and ask the question, um, like, the, the, the Egyptians 
just a couple of chapters earlier, hadn't just killed the firstborn, but had killed every male of the Israelites. Every male they could. If, if the baby is born and it's a male, throw it in the river. That's how Moses kind of escaped is because he was in the river in a basket. Uh, it's crazy. So, so what God is doing is he's giving a picture of what the evil that had just taken place, but he was giving everybody a way out. Let my people go. Like there was so much, I mean, we see the brutality of it and, and there's so many pieces that we might not understand, but there's also grace. God saying, I, like it's not evil for evil. I want to give everybody a way out of this, this cycle of sin and pain and evil in the world. And so to the Israelites, um, he says, I want you to take this lamb, this spotless lamb. And I want you to be prepared to leave because Pharaoh will let you go after this, t- after this takes place. And, and I want you to take this spotless lamb and, and I want you to, to sacrifice the lamb and take the blood of this lamb and, and wipe it on the door frames of your home. And as, the, as, as death sweeps through, uh, the, the blood will mark where the, the, the death is to pass over the house. And that's where the name Passover comes, comes from, this, this concept. And, and that takes place, and, and this, this lamb that is sacrificed becomes this, the, the blood of this lamb becomes the symbol and the marker for new life and redemption. And then we see in the old covenant, this old sacrificial system, and we talked about this a couple weeks ago, it's, it's kind of brutal, where they would bring the animals and they would stand in line at the temple and they would bring the animals and the priest would put the hand on the head of the animal and declare, the, the people would declare their sins and, and then they would, they would uh, sacrifice, they would kill that, that animal um, so that God would look past our weakness, our sin, uh, our evil, and, and, and in a sense, kind of be good with him. Does that, does that make sense? Are you still with me? So do you see this little picture from, uh, from Genesis to the Exodus story, God wanting to give grace to people, and, and then into the sacrificial system where he wants us to understand his goodness and his grace, and then Jesus rides into town on Lamb Selection Day? Are you kidding me? Are you beginning to see the pieces woven together in this beautiful tapestry? And Jesus sits down at the Passover meal, the very picture of God's goodness and grace by leading the people out of slavery into freedom and giving them their own land. And so they're sitting around and they're eating this meal and every piece of the meal has some significance. And they're, they're eating the meal and it says, it says this, when it was evening, Jesus sitting down at the table, reclining at the table with the 12 disciples they were eating, he, he like, so you can imagine they're eating and they're remembering the story and he like just busts out and he says, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. Whoa. Like we remember the Passover, the, the Passover and, and what, what does betrayal have to do with that? Well, stay with me. Greatly distressed, each one of them asked, am I the one? That's going to betray you? Am, am I the one? Am I the one? Every, every single one of them asks. Now, who betrayed Jesus? Judas. So most of us in this room um, just quickly said Judas betrayed Jesus. On this next night, all of them betrayed Jesus. All of them ran. All of them scattered, which is like this little double meaning tucked in. Yes, Judas sold Jesus out. 
for some silver, but all of the disciples. And I think Jesus wants them to realize later that all of them. And he says, one of you who's just eaten from this bowl with me will betray me. So eaten from this bowl, a little picture of the meal. So some of you have done a Seder meal in the past. I'm gonna, I need a couple of volunteers. And we're going to try one little piece of maybe what Jesus was talking about when he, when he asked them uh, to take the, the bowl. So I'm going to need a couple volunteers down in the other room as well, in the West Room in here. Don't make me do lamb selection day. <laughs> Cody, come on. Good. Yes, Cody would love to join me. Cody. Uh, yeah. I got two volunteers and one of them I didn't even ask. Uh, he didn't even raise his hand. You're a good sport. Come here, right here. So we're at the meal, and we're eating, and um, he says, one of you has dipped the, the, the bread in this bowl with me, and each little item had some significance. There was bread at that table, and, and, and bread, there was no yeast in it. It was pure. They were ready to leave Egypt when that took place, so this, this bread was just pure uh, bread. So we have some bread here. We're not going to eat that, though. And then there was at the table on the Passover meal, there were bitter herbs. You guys remember that little piece of it? Bitter herbs. You try the herbs. Dipped together. So hold on to this. Don't, don't eat it. I know you want to. Just hold on to that. And we're going to do this together. All right? And down in the other room, you got it? John, I can see you. I can't tell who, that, who else that is, but... Um, um, you're with me. And so each piece of the, the Passover meal, and they would, the kids, all the kids, everybody would have to do this. And the kids would ask, why are we eating this? Like, what, what is it about this? And we'll answer that question in just a second, but we got to be all in on this, all right? <laughs> Bottoms up, are we ready? Yeah. Can we do this? Yeah. All right, here we go. That's, that's good. That's good. That's good, isn't it? If you've got, if you've got, don't puke up here. Um, if you've got allergies, this is what you need to clear your sinuses. They're like needles in the nose. Um, now, I want you to notice something. Um, Cody has tears in his eyes, as does Keith. Tears. No, 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 no. They wouldn't have had water, no. I like that man. They, they would have had wine. So tears, um, tears in the eyes. Now, here's why. So the kids, if you can imagine, why do we have to eat this? To remind you of the bitterness of life and slavery, to, to remind you of the bitterness of evil and sin in this world. That's why we eat this. Now, they would have had wine and they would have drank it, but thank, thank you for being my volunteers. That's good. I got to do it in the second service. We're going to scrap this part of the second service. But, um, but this, this is what would have taken place, and, and I think so important for us to understand 
uh, when we do something like that, to understand the, the bitterness and the pain that we bring to the world through our evil and our sin. Now, now hold that for a second. Your evil, your sin, that, that you hurt other people by your actions. I want you to hold that just for a second. And as they're walking through that, Jesus takes a piece of bread. And he breaks it. And then he gives the bread to the disciples. And, and he says, uh, take this and eat. This is my body. And as they eat this bread, it, it calms the palate. It brings some relief to the pain caused by the horseradish that was before. And they have, they, they have no idea what Jesus means. And it sounds like, like very strange for us that Jesus would say, this is, this is my, my body. And I think what Jesus was saying was, like, this bread is a representation of what I'm about to do, which overcomes the evil and sin in this world. Not just the, because it's easy for us to go, the sin in the world our evil, the pain that we cause to other people. Are you with me? Yeah. So he takes the bread and he breaks it and he says, take this and eat. And then he takes a cup of wine and at the end of the meal and he passes it to his disciples and he said, take this uh, and drink from it for this is my blood, which sounds just crazy, does it not? I mean, those of us who grew up in the Christian tradition, it doesn't sound crazy to us because we've been doing it for a long time. But if you're on the outside looking in, if, if you've never read this before, this is my blood? That sounds like a cult at some level. But Jesus wanted them to understand that this blood was a symbolic picture of this new covenant. Think about the blood that started in Genesis chapter 3 and then uh, the Exodus story and then into the sacrificial system. This blood became now the new covenant that relieved them from the old covenant. It's a new covenant in his blood. Between God and his people, it's poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. I will not drink wine again until the day I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. Um, okay, real quick. Uh, on, on the table in a, in a Jewish meal, there are four cups of wine. And I want to show you just a little bit of this storyline of the four cups of wine. There's the cup of salvation or of sanctification that would have been at the very beginning of the meal. They would have started the meal with the cup of sanctification. And this cup was signifying that God brought them out. Sanctification. He brought them out. The second cup that they would have uh, drank from, which maybe was after the bitter thing going on, like somewhere in that portion of the meal, they would have had another cup of wine. Some of you are like, that's a lot of cups of wine. Um, but the second cup of wine, they would have, they would have, it would have been the cup of deliverance. I delivered you from slavery. Each one very significant. Are you, are you still with me? Yeah. The third cup would have been at the end of the meal. This was the cup that Jesus, when he passed it to his disciples and said, this is the new, uh, th th this is the symbol of the new covenant with God for the forgiveness of sins. This is the cup of redemption, Right? So the, the cup saying, I will, redeem, I will make you a new person, I will redeem you, 
the new covenant. Are you with me? I mean, do you see the symbolism here of what Jesus is doing? It's so rich and full, what He wants us to understand. Our evil, uh, our sin, our brokenness redeemed for good in this world. Take this and drink. When we drink of communion, we are reminded of His redemption and His love in spite of our sin and evil that hurt other people. Right after this, Jesus says, I will not drink of the wine again. He missed a cup. He missed a cup in the meal. The cup of protection. The cup where God said, I will make you my own people. I will make you a nation. Why do you think Jesus, why do you think he skipped that last cup? And just a few hours later, when he's praying in the garden, he says, Father, let this cup pass from me. He doesn't drink of the cup of protection because he's willing to lay down his life for a world that desperately needs him. And then he says, but not, you, not, not my will, but your will be done. He's willing to drink of the cup for us. It's like there's so much in the story. There's so much there. So, storyline. Um, in, in the, the first part of the story, uh, the Israelites, God, God saves the Israelites through the lamb. So back to the Exodus story. From the bitterness of slavery, redeeming them to a life of freedom. That, that's the story, right? So Jesus comes and sits at this meal. But at this meal, we're redefined, and it's through Jesus now, the lamb. Through, through Jesus now, God saves who? The world. God saves the world. Through Jesus, God saves the world from the bitterness of sin and evil, redeeming us all to a life of love. Like redeeming us to become people not of sin and evil, which like hurts other people, but rather a life of love, which is a life of grace and hope and peace for all. If we miss Jesus, we miss everything in the story. Like we miss the significance. Like if, if, we, if, if we fail to see what, what all's being played out and how Jesus is, is like taking this, this meal that has deep significance and redefining it so that the world understands that, that God will save them, all of the world, through his act, his sacrifice on that cross. That's why he says when you get together, Eat the bread and drink the cup to remember me. So that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to remember. And we're going to taste. Uh, I didn't have enough horseradish to pass out in both the rooms. <laughs> but I want you to, as, as, we, as we hold the cup and the bread um, together, and the ushers are going to pass it out here in just a minute in both the rooms, um, as you hold it, I want you to think, I want you to think about evil and sin in the world today. And it's so easy to think about other people, their sin and evil. It's a lot harder to think about our own. But I want us to try to, to feel the bitterness, to taste the bitterness of our own. Like, how have we hurt other people? 
And I know that's not super encouraging this morning to start with that, but it's important to understand the depth of God's love for us and the significance of Jesus on that cross. And then, as you eat that bread, and as we drink that cup together, I pray that we would taste the joy and the goodness of God. I, I, I hope maybe a smile comes across our faces as we understand the great love our Father has for us. And I hope we step into the freedom of love, the open door that God has for all of us.